0: Hello, my name is Jonah Primo, and along with Bronwyn Reed, I'm the producer of The Principal of Charity. And today, we're going to do something a little different. If you've been listening to us for a while, you know Emil and Lloyd as your hosts and as your interviewers, but we're going to flip that on its head and see how they do as the guests. Our goal today is to reflect on how they approach the show, how the podcast has evolved, and what they've learned from this season. And I might throw in a few curveballs as well, just so you can get to know them a little better. This episode's going to wrap up Season 2, but the conversation's going to continue on our Twitter, Insta, and Facebook communities. So if you have guests or topics that you're interested in, jump on social media and let us know. So with that, let's bring on the guests. Hey Lloyd, very nice to have you in the interviewee hot seat. Let's get straight into it. Emil, how is the idea for this podcast conceived and what was the motivation behind it?
2: Hey Jonah, yeah, so the idea really evolved through discussions between myself and Lloyd a couple of years ago. We wanted to start a podcast and and it was Lloyd's idea, let's do something together, which um, has been an exciting journey in and of itself, working with your really good friend and cousin, as we say each time. And we had a couple of ideas we threw around. And then this one emerged because we're actually both fans of Jonathan Haidt, who's a a psychologist, as we've often referenced on the show, who who does look at how we change our minds. And um, he's written a whole range of books. But I think that idea of how can we understand other points of view, be interested in the best version of other points of view. To learn about topics through other points of view, to model generosity and curiosity, and just to help ourselves and hopefully help the audience to um, leap outside of our own biases, because we all know we've got them. We're all in our own little bubbles, and so how do we leap outside? And well, one great way is just to hear views, viewpoints that that we don't share, and so that was the launchpad for for me at least.
0: Now, after two seasons, has that motivation changed?
2: Both Lloyd and I, he'll talk for himself, are really passionate about the core of being more generous and more curious in conversations, and that remains absolutely key. You know we all know the world's getting more polarized and the information silos and this being a way to to you know add a little drop of um, salve into into some of the troubles of society. I'm also really motivated by the topics, you know, I tend to be the one to drive the the choice of the topics with Lloyd feeding in, but they're things that emerge naturally from books that I'm reading and and really questions that I struggle with myself.
0: So Lloyd, your role in the show is one where you challenge the guests to a personal reflection, whereas Emil is taking more of a lead in unpacking the topic itself. Why did you decide to divide the show along those lines?
3: Well, China, I think we, we didn't initially Initially, it was Emil and I chatting through the social issues. Uh, We then discovered that four people on the show is very noisy. I kept on sort of cramping Emil's space. I felt Emil was cramping my space. And I think on hard reflection, we realized, and we had some very substantive reflection, uh, some hard conversations between Emil and I, where we had to be pretty honest about, was the show working or not? And then To Emile's point, my history is a lot more political than Emile's, but over the years, I think I've become less political. Um, I think Emile's more political in one sense than I am now, and I'm much more focused on the individual. I'm much more coming from a point that if we can't sort ourselves out individually, I'm not sure there is a major political contribution we can make sometimes. And so, I'm still political, but from a different perspective. And, and in that sense, I'm, I'm quite focused on the principle of charity from an internal point of view, but using the social
0: issues that are discussed as a mechanism to get there. So Emil, at the risk of tooting our own horn, we've probably received more downloads than any of us expected when we started the show. We've even had a dalliance at the top of the philosophy charts, at least in Australia. I remember you both worrying that this show wouldn't be heard outside the ears of polite friends and family. So what do you think it is that is so powerful about the format?
2: Why have audiences been drawn to it? I think we started off with the humility that no one's really going to be interested in our opinions, and I continue to believe that, and so does Lloyd. And there's so many podcasts where you know people just interview interesting guests, so that doesn't make it different. We wanted the Format itself to do some heavy lifting. And it's actually really surprised at us how much heavy lifting it does. If you choose interesting topics and you get good guests, there's a huge amount of power in in two key parts of the format. One is to have guests with different viewpoints, to come into a topic that you don't know about and hear it through two sides of an argument is something you don't often do. Um, Even people who in are uh, great interviewers with great guests who are really trying to probe their own weaknesses. You just find you can't do it because you naturally find there are a whole lot of assumptions that you share which just don't go explored. Those buttons are so easily pressed and the limits explored when you just actually have two different viewpoints. And secondly, the the format of asking each guest to present the most charitable version of the other viewpoint. I mean, and and what their own we- the weakest side of their own argument is. And Lloyd's probing in terms of principle of charity of them personally. So I think all those elements, it's slightly messy. We tried to do too much beforehand. Even this is an enormous amount, but there's something about it which seems to resonate. And it's been, you know, one of the great joys to see how many people are loving this podcast and seem to um, be following week on week. They're not just jumping in on one episode that they enjoy, but they're really consistently listening to everything.
3: Do you agree, Lloyd? I think the one area that has partly contributed to our success is we have had well-informed guests who understand their subject matter. Um, Again, this was a debate uh, that Emil and I had is should we have more politically orientated guests, more activist orientated guests, and we've really chosen the path of having well-informed guests. It is hard from a marketing point of view to have a principle of charity show where we're trying to understand the other rather than put down the other as you'd often find in sort of 7.30 news broadcasts or panel shows where you really, part of the intent is to humiliate the other side and show how wrong they are and show how smart you are. And in that sense, we are always uh, going uphill from a marketing point of view. But I do think there is a portion a significant portion of people who are really wanting more generous
0: conversation. And and I think we've managed to find those people. So just there, you touched on some of the ways you actually choose your guests. Um, and it's interesting because the positions of guests on certain episodes have been more binary than others. So, for example, when we looked at voluntary assisted dying, Andrew Denton was for it. Bernadette Tobin was against it. Mm-hmm. But we've had episodes with a less clear polarisation. You know, we did liberalism versus conservatism, where we looked at the nuances between philosophies that were both on the political right. We didn't do, for example, Marxism versus conservatism. So, my question is when you're choosing your guests, does the show work better when they're broadly aligned or completely polarized?
3: I, I think it works better. It's sharper when there's a binary, a, a clear binary. So, if you looked at our episode on meat, Uh, I think that's a binary conversation, our business episode.
0: Well, just quickly on that meat episode, I mean, it's interesting that it ended up being so binary because it's not like we had a vegan versus an industrial pig farmer. We had a vegan in a conversation with someone who truly cares about the well-being and dignity of the animals that he farms. So it wasn't as black and white as it could have been.
3: Yes, but but on Dean, on Dean Sherman is pretty clear about her views on any form of meat eating, and so I think the guest there takes us into another space. And and similarly, I think on our conversation around around business and whether business uh, should be you know focus on profit purely, where we had uh, Andy Cooper and Judah Sloan. I think those were pretty binary conversations. And and in one sense, those are very popular episodes um, in, in our podcast. And for me, that is where the principle of charity is often displayed is when you are in conflict. But Emil and I have, uh, Emil, I don't know if your, your thoughts have changed. What, what, what
2: are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I think that, firstly, we, we have two different sorts of questions, categories, in a sense, that we've uh, we've used. The main one is just a question, is it moral to eat meat? You know, is voluntary euthanasia good for society? You know, uh, these questions which are yes and no answers. But there have been a couple, and you referenced the liberalism-conservatism one, and um, we've got one on meditation versus psychoanalysis, which are really not yes or no um, question so much as two world views. we're exploring two world views. and you know th- th- they're quite different approaches that to the binary question I think the binary questions are obviously the mainstay of of um, what we do in the podcast but there are still some of those two worldview questions that I think are really interesting when you put up against each other it's amazing what you can reveal about meditation and the spiritual path if you put it up against psychoanalysis suddenly it's in relief but I think then there's the question of who do we get? What sort of guests? Should the guests be advocates? Should they be academics? Should they be just sort of regular people with strong views? And Lloyd and I had a lot of conversations about this. I think, Lloyd, you know, if, if we are honest with ourselves, you know, you you've you started off more with like, let's just get passionate individuals with different points of view. I wanted very cool-headed academics, and we've ended up realizing that we sort of need both. We need people who are experts, genuine experts but they need to have a strong position on it. They can't just be too charitable. So it's finding that great Venn diagram crossover where people have really different viewpoints, but they can't be so far apart that a conversation's not productive. And I think they also need to be, and this is just for me talking personally here, I need to actually think personally that both viewpoints are really interesting and to be unsure myself. So if I've got a uh, you know if i'm choosing two viewpoints on liberalism and conservatism but the conservative is so extreme in a view that i just don't have any purchase on it i'm just not going to be interested in having that conversation personally so you know those are the constraints we're working under
0: so you said that the conversation needs to be productive but i wonder if in a way if the guests don't display charity does that still have the same subtext of we as a whole need more principle of charity so essentially, is their lack of charity still furthering our cause?
3: You know, Emil started the show of talking a little personally about his own bias. We all have biases. In one sense, the principle of charity, you could say, gets best displayed when the conditions <laughs> are the least in your favor. It's a, it's a bit like values, right? Certain values. I mean, it, it, it's like looking after a prisoner of war uh, who... Previously, in a skirmish, try to kill you, and now you have your your army doctors looking after them because that's a value. That's what you do. It's not in it's not in your interest. And the principle of charity sometimes goes against our emotional and intellectual in interest, which is we don't want to listen, we don't want to understand. And therefore, when you have guests who are more conflictual, I think, I think, and maybe this is a conversation we will continue, Emil. I think it puts more pressure on the guests to really stretch themselves to understand, as it does with yeah. all of us personally. Yeah. And, and that's what a value is. Often it's, it's what you do in private that really reflects who you are, but also when you're under stress, what, what emerges, and, and, and that's not to blame you for behaving
2: badly under stress, it's just to show you what really emerges. And and that's when we have a guest like Andrew Denton who spends his days advocating and even Daniel Browning who was so passionate personally as an Indigenous Australian about the problems of cultural appropriation. I have massive respect for the guests who actually yes. come on and you go, I actually sometimes wonder why, why are they coming on? Because in some ways it's against their interests but they have a bigger interest in civil conversation and I have a huge respect for that. And finding that balance where it is spiky enough that the guests are being challenged here, that they're not just waltzing in going, you know, I sort of got no skin in the game. I'm happy to argue the other side, doesn't mean anything. But maybe not being so extreme that a productive conversation can't happen. But there's no doubt that Lloyd has, has more tolerance for conflict than I do. I find it difficult emotionally when people are really in a conflict situation. Lloyd is um, enlivened by it and, and can handle it. So he, he, his challenge to me is as the podcast develops, I'll, I'll have more and more confidence to be able to, you know, moderate a conversation where people have more conflict and we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, drama is entertaining. So it's hard to balance, right? There's a trade-off. It could even be a, a cost worth bearing for a more exciting episode. So true. But maybe that pulls us away from what we're trying to do. Lloyd, you had something to add?
3: Yeah, I, I think one of the issues that guests who are activists or advocates who come onto our show have to deal with is that it's a bit like a politician. They are part of a very tight grouping. Uh, That's why they are activists and advocates. Every single day they're mobilizing. They have to get their people behind them. They have to dislike the other group. Uh, There's a tribal loyalty. And so when you get an advocate on the show, and you ask them to really consider the strongest points of the opponent's views, they do take some risk. I mean, they take some risk in their own tribe. There are going to be people there who said,
0: I cannot believe that
3: you agreed with X. And that's always a little risky.
0: Okay, so taking it in a slightly different direction, just to spice things up a bit. For those of you who don't know, Emil recently produced a movie that you may have heard of. It's called The Power of the Dog, and it's had some minor critical acclaim in the form of 12 Oscar nominations. Now, as a result, you saw live and in the flesh a certain confrontation play out at the 94th Academy Awards. So my question is, Emil, how much charity should we be showing Will Smith?
2: Well, the slap was a really uncomfortable moment at the Oscars. And I stood up when Will Smith won the Academy Award and everyone stood up and gave him a standing ovation and I stood up and I felt incredibly uncomfortable and I think it was it was a interesting moment because you just felt the power of a sort of herd mentality and I don't know if the majority of people in the audience even wanted to stand up. Maybe it was a minority wanted to stand up and the rest just felt compelled and, you know, it's an example of how minorities can can lead and that's, you know, what we're finding at the moment on social media, that it's the extremes seem to be creating the norms and and the, and, the, and the middle gets led. I I think, you know, like the principle of charity, I'm interested in what was going on in his mind, what, what was motivating him before I take my lens to it. And I think, you know, that, that's the point. You've got to go, what what was happening for him? And then we're in a position to judge. And principle of charity, and we just got to keep saying it, is not about not judging not having values not having really strong opinions not being called to arms if necessary in various ways and not advocating it's all of those things but it's at the very first point to seek to come outside your your mental framework that that sort of holds you often in a in the sort of spell of your own views and to really try to understand where, where another person's coming from and and i had that many times during these episodes where i was surprised and shocked at the viewpoint of one of the guests. And you go, oh, okay. Wow. I, In my head, when I've been toying these issues around, I'd never thought about it in that way. And now I understand it with another sort of edge to the diamond. And I feel like maybe I haven't changed my opinion. Maybe I have. But fundamentally, I sort of hold a broader concept of, of what the issue is all about. And that's, I think, of massive value in and of itself.
0: You talked there a little bit about what's going on in people's heads. Uh, I mean, Lloyd, you run a management consultancy where you're constantly challenging your clients to think abstractly or rather introspectively. And it seems like you're applying a similar lens to the guests on the show. So your questions at times can be very personal. And I wanted to know, how do you come up with your questions? And what are you trying to uncover? know, I think consultancy, like any
3: industry, uh, has its own niches, its own areas. I'm in the world of what I would call advisory, and in the world of advisory, what the client values is getting an insight that they haven't had, and that is a challenge uh, that that's about an issue that they may not see. It might be the way they're approaching an issue. And so I suppose every single day, like Emil has to look at the market and his audience and the stories, I have to think, am I providing my clients with value through insights that they haven't generated themselves? And if I'm not, then they shouldn't pay me. I suppose that is part of my culture. That's where I come from. But I'm also interested to the point where I know that I don't have the answers even for myself. I don't know myself. Every day I'm discovering new parts of myself, ugly parts, great parts, exciting parts, terrible parts. And in my questions, I'm really trying to uncover the parts of the guest that is generating their response intellectually. What what is happening emotionally that is generating some of their thoughts? Of course, this is a debate in and of itself. Do our thoughts... Uh, come first? Or do our emotions come first? Uh, Jonathan Haidt would probably argue our emotions, feelings come first. And therefore, everything else is a a rationalization. And so, I'm very intrigued by the emotional engine that generates intellectualism. That's where I come from.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of the emotional engine, I'm going to ask you a Lloydian question. What's something in your recent past in which you wish you had shown more charity? Jonah, I I can give
3: you a very long list here. I I really can. It would be a very long list. There are many things that I think about if you look at some of the topics we've dealt with where when I was much younger in a particular milieu where human rights and killings were really the order of the day. Environmentalism, climate change, no. No. That, you know, I, I would have been very disparaging of, I would have said that's a luxury, would have been disparaging. I remember being very disparaging of vegans and vegetarians um, in a sort of more machismo way in in, in my 20s. So I could, I could give you a long list. It just tells me, as I frequently say, one of the best ways to engage with the principle of charity is really to know that you are mo- most likely going to be wrong. At some point, most people are wrong about most things.
0: And so, do you always have the principle of charity ringing around in your head whenever you hear something? Whenever you argue with someone, you're thinking to yourself, "Maybe I'm wrong." What's a practical step that someone who wants to be more charitable could take?
3: Yeah, yeah. It, well, that, that's that's when I'm conscious and mindful. When I'm not, I, I tend to just go to my view that I'm right. But by the way, that's not to say that I don't have strong views. I have very strong views. Um, and sometimes they are right. But I think it's it's when I'm in the conversation, sometimes I just need to catch myself and say, I'm not listening. I'm too focused on what I've got to say. The point about listening is you're always going to learn. When you say things that you know, you don't learn. You, I mean, you're just saying what you already know. So it's, but we so... We've got such issues with self-esteem, self-evaluation, that we like to be smart and we like to be
0: right. Okay, I'm going to take it in a different direction. Uh, Emil, we touch on some sensitive issues on Principle of Charity. Uh, Does hosting the show ever scare you? And I mean, if it does, do we need to get to a place where we talk about some of these issues more
2: openly? Or is it good that you're scared? Well, I've been very scared of just hosting the show, putting the issues aside, like you know, stepping up to the mic, and feeling like I have a place and a role to be able to be having this conversation. It's not something I've ever done before. And Lloyd knows my terror in the earlier episodes, I think I'm getting a little more relaxed. But sort of feeling that legitimacy that uh, wh- why am I doing this? I was overseas in in LA when we did the episode on do criminals deserve to be punished? I just finished the Oscars. I had like a month of emails from my work uh, backed up. And I had to take five hours to sort of start looking at free will and determinism and legal uh, justice. And I felt, what What am I doing this for again? And why me? Like, why? what's my right to be involved in this? But I spent the the day doing it and I felt so nourished afterwards. I'm like, I actually really love this. But in terms of topics, I think the, you know, and you've mentioned this, Jonah, that there is a vein that goes through a number of the topics, not all of them. And I really want to be careful that we don't, you know, over-index on these Topics, but ones that do oppose a sort of liberalism with the more progressive left um, identity politics based ideas, and it comes to fore in in things like um, the cultural appropriation episode. And we're going to do more. We're actually going to look at identity politics. Should identity be a basis for politics in the future seasons? And and some of those, you know, free speech issues. And I find them scary. I I I, I don't feel very connected to my identity. I don't even know what my identity is. I genuinely see myself as a collection of cells you know, with a bunch of thoughts. And my heritage or not doesn't really... My gender... I mean, I don't know. I feel like I should be gender non-binary because I don't really take much store in the fact that I happen to have male um, sexual parts. I, I don't feel very grounded in identity, although I feel grounded in the physical world. It's not that I don't feel grounded. So I do naturally find this movement to identity as being a solution to some really legitimate concerns with liberalism. I find it um, personally challenging, but that's when I go, this is exciting now. I get excited by the limits of my own understanding because I go, wow, there are a lot of really smart people who do see solution out there. I really want to understand it. I really want to understand it from their point of view. And there are moments with the Daniel Browning podcast where where I really, light bulbs went on and I went, I really get this viscerally, not just sort of intellectually. So that's that's challenging for me, scary, but also really exciting.
0: Okay, so you had a light bulb moment in the cultural appropriation episode. What about you, Lloyd? Any topic where you've done a full 180 in your view? <sighs> there have been,
3: no. I, I don't know about on a whole area, but there have been... 180s on different areas certainly the the episode on cultural appropriation the daniel browning james young i had a different perspective the episode with bernadette tobin and um, andrew denton on voluntary assisted dying i i i just went into that episode for example having a very strong view that voluntary assisted dying um, made complete sense, and I could never understand why religious people were opposed to it. After that episode, I, I had a I had a completely different perspective. I, I would still support voluntary assisted dying, but I, my 180 is probably a 180 on respect for the other
2: side, not necessarily a 180 on changing my view. Emil? Yeah, a lot of my 180s happen in the preparation time. Certainly, my interest in conservatism, I read a couple of really great political philosophy books on conservatism. And I didn't know much about it as a philosophy. And that's what prompted that topic uh, to try to tease these things apart. But I I learned a lot about it in the preparation. And I think the key part of the journey I've been on with the podcast is that I started off wanting to get to the answer of the question. I'm posing a question, well, what's the answer? And I started off overly engaging with everything that the guests would say to try to push for resolution. And I've since realized that the answer is not necessarily the answer in the answer, in coming to an answer. The answer to the issues facing the world is first and foremost to understand um, the issues themselves and to understand them deeply and respectfully. And that really is 80% of the salve. I think what emerges from that will emerge, but if you can get to that point, you've basically done done the job. And that's my aim now with the podcast is to ensure that I push and prod the boundaries of the viewpoints, the two viewpoints, so that we understand them, we understand what's in common, we understand what's genuinely different, and we have a much fuller picture. And then people will fall wherever they fall, but at least they'll be doing it through the prism of generosity and curiosity.
0: Okay, just a couple more questions for you guys. Lloyd, if you could have one guest on the show, alive or dead... Who would it be and why? I would have uh, Bishop Tutu. I thought he, in my life,
3: I knew him personally. Um, I sometimes see clips of him again. I don't think I have known anyone who demonstrates the principle of charity in a personal, ideological, spiritual way than this man did. Uh, His ability to laugh at himself his ability not to take himself seriously, his ability to take issues seriously, his ability to understand the most evil, abysmal human beings um, and still try a process of reconciliation. I, I just think I'm not one to idealize a lot of people. I am one who holds a lot of people in awe. But for
0: me, he was just a unique human being. Emile, what's a book that you've read recently that everyone should be reading? doesn't have to be Principle of Charity, doesn't have to be non-fiction, just a book.
2: Well, the last book I read was Adam Gopnik's book on liberalism, and it was a brilliant book. It's called A Thousand Small Sanities. And I've been battling, like a lot of people, to understand the grounding of liberalism. He grounds it in the human emotion for compassion and wanting to live together. Uh, rather than lofty ideals, and he looks at the people who are actually involved in building the liberal story. But he does a really principle of charity thing. He then goes on and has two really big chapters presenting all the arguments on the right against liberalism. And then he goes and has a chapter presenting all the arguments on the left, on the progressive left, against liberalism. And he goes through them and looks at them and and you know to the best of his ability dispels them. But he presents them in such a compelling way that I'm I was like fully right wing anti liberal and then I was fully progressive left wing anti liberal and then you know so it was really uh, like I was going through a washing machine and I found I lost my bearing at times. But he's incredibly knowledgeable and incredibly human and just very generous with the arguments. And I felt like I came out you know again sort of more enriched by it rather than just. Uh, you know, purely intellectually stimulated.
3: Just on that, we were talking earlier, Jonah, about part of the foundation of this podcast. Jonathan Haidt does that brilliantly as well. When he describes more the personality features, the psychological features that differentiate a conservative person from a more left leaning or liberal person. And he just describes it in a way where you go, ah, I now get it. I, I now get that conservatism tends to be value loyalty a lot more and the collective a lot more sometimes, uh, the collective of the family than more left-leaning people. And that basis shapes a lot of their views. And um, it's, it's really, he's, he's really
2: worth reading. Okay. Well, to wrap it up, a question for both of you. Where does the principle of charity go from here? I think it goes with our passions. I want to stay really engaged with the questions and for the questions to come out of the interests I have. And hopefully there will be things that really resonate with audiences to build up a great collection of of guests. Getting great guests is at the core of the podcast. So for me, that's the aim and to build up as much as we can, a group of listeners who are as passionate as we are about learning about the world and learning about it through the viewpoint of two different sides and doing it in a way that's generous and curious and believes that there is real value in this. So I think it's all of those things. um, We're doing it more regularly. We started out quite haphazardly and it took us quite a while to get going. But now that we've got our engine together, we're hoping to record every three weeks or so and to put them out as seasons where we'll they're two weeks apart, which means that there might be six to eight weeks between seasons. And, you know, this is the final episode of season two. And then we'll start with a new spotlight episode uh, at, for the beginning of season three, have our six Uh, episodes where we look at these key social issues and round up hopefully with another one of these where we have a little bit of a review and look at what we've learned
3: we didn't expect this success i mean this is a surprise Uh, not even a small surprise it is a very big surprise i would love to see us continue with this podcast i think we'll have a different iteration um emil Probably not expecting this conversation. I'm looking at maybe season three, season four, We'll if we have that, uh, we'll have a different structure to the show. Maybe there will be different dimensions. Um, he's already, I can see the doubt, the antagonism is increasing slowly. He's trying to be reasonable and enlightened and not show it. I can feel it. But... Um, Th- what I would also like to see and the problem is the amount of work as, as Emil says we now have a we we have a big team we have an engine uh, it costs a lot of money but I would love to see this taken into the first point of call is I'd love to see this taken into schools. Uh, I'd love to see this now, part and parcel of businesses and how they think about the principle of charity in what they would call silos in their different business units and how they work together. The opportunities to demonstrate the principle of charity in our society is overwhelming and I believe our
0: society will flourish just that small percentage more with it. Okay, well, Lloyd and Emil, thank you so much. You did a great job in the hot seat today, and I think you've done an amazing job getting this podcast and concept off the ground and soaring. And I also want to extend a big thank you from all of us to you guys, our listeners, for caring about the concept of charity and for coming along on this journey with us. That wraps up Season 2, but make sure you subscribe because Season 3 is not far away at all courtesy of producer Bronwyn Reid who has been hard at work getting us in the virtual studio with some more top tier guests. Finally, if you're finding these conversations useful in navigating big social issues we'd really appreciate you leaving a review joining us on social media and of course just spreading the word I'm Jonah Primo, see you soon